0: We don't get, we should do it a lot more, but we don't take the time out. And I say it when I'm ask, telling people to ask for prayer, but very rarely do we take the time to, to, for somebody to come up. Because actually, most of the times we're praying for people, the stuff they want us to pray for, they don't want everyone else knowing about them. Isn't that fair enough? Because the stuff going on in your life, that it's private, and you don't really want it. And that's why even we started trying to push it away from putting it up in a WhatsApp group and sending it to the prayer line. Because it's not about everybody knowing your business. Um, But sometimes something happens that's just absolutely miraculous. And it goes against all the odds. And it goes against everything that the structures of the world we live in, the institutions of the world we live in would want to happen. And the only explanation for it is that something supernatural has happened and something supernatural has intervened. And we want to take the next um, few minutes. You have as long as you like so you can speak for two minutes, or you can speak for 20 minutes, that's okay. But um, Mary has had nothing short of an absolute miracle happen this week. And it was a miracle that she specifically asked for two weeks ago, because I sat with her one day two weeks ago, and she said, this is exactly what I want to happen. Um, and under any normal circumstances, it shouldn't have happened. Isn't that fair enough to say? So she wants to come up, she wants to tell you about her story. She did share some of it here a while back. Um, in a different context, but you did. But uh, I have a mic for you. This is for you. Yeah, keep encouraging her. Come on.
1: Okay, so I'm going to try and give you a five-minute overview of my life Um, because, obviously, um, we can't tell the whole story, but I'm going to tell you the highlights, hopefully, where God took over well, he's always in charge, but when I acknowledged him taking over and stepping in. So I thought my life was reasonably happy, <clears throat> um, and then it wasn't. <laughs> I was, <laughs> I was married, I had three children, and then the marriage started crumbling, and so in 2-7, I was uh, separated and heartbroken. But recovered from that, but recovered in my own strength. So I wasn't really healed. I was still, you know, getting even, getting back. I wasn't a very nice person. thought I was okay, but I wasn't. And then um, through a lot of failed businesses, a lot of debt came to me personally. So I was struggling on my own with three children um, in a very bitter state. And blaming God... You know, really having a go at God, driving out to Sandy Mount so I could scream at him when there was no one around, and saying, "Where are you? There is my ex, happy in another relationship, getting insurance money every week, loaded. He was getting three thousand a month or something." And I'm struggling. Where are you? Where? And I really was bellowing at God, and my children were suffering, and and so out, I was, I was messed up and angry. And though I was saying God was in my life, I was only bringing him in to have a an argument with him. So. Letters coming come into the house, Sheriff's Office letters coming to repossess possessions in my home and I was really um, down on my knees emotionally and spiritually. And it was down there when I had nothing. When I got tired listening to myself, blaming and shouting at God, for the first time in my life I listened to God. And I said, That's it, you, you have to help me. I am gonna I'm, I'm having a nervous breakdown, I'm going, I'm losing it. And so, <clears throat> gently, and God was very gentle because I was very stubborn. He, ca- he brought healing into my life. And I became a gentler person. Can you imagine? If you hadn't known me before, you, you wouldn't have. <laughs> I became softer with myself. I became softer with the world. I became softer around the the situations in my life. And instead of saying, why God? Which people, you are know, my friends here in my church, stop asking God, why me? That's not the question to ask Him. The, the, the conversation to have with us, get me through this. What can I learn through this? Let me lean on you, Lord. You know, I, I surrender the why and the what ifs. They're no good. The answers are not in this. We load the answers in our other life, but not this life. So I stopped trying to get God to justify himself to me. And I start having a real relationship with God. But in the middle of that things didn't get better. Things got worse. The, the financial there was more judgment orders coming against my property. I was now about 70 grand in debt. I had no way of paying it. I still had to try and forgive my ex even though half the debts were through failed businesses. and, and this, That was all hard to do. Hard to forgive when someone hasn't asked for your forgiveness. When someone hasn't paid any maintenance for your children. You know but I had to with God, and I did. And he's a good man. He does a lot of foolish things, but he's a good man. God made him, so he is good, okay? My children are gorgeous. My grandchildren are gorgeous. But in terms of my debt, I was faced then with having the banks wanted to repossess my home. And this all started in 15 with the legal proceedings now, all the threat letters that happened and all the... So they, The letters were coming to appear in court. I couldn't afford legal aid. I couldn't afford anyone. So I went in and I said, God, you've got to come in with me. And so the banks were sending in solicitors and barristers. And every time, I don't know how, but this is going on since 2.15. This is not one miracle of God. This is a whole series of me having nothing and God turning up to save me, to help me. And sometimes well-meaning friends were telling me, Mary, maybe sell. Buy a smaller place. You know, you'd have no debt. You, you could... And I think, that's good. That's, yeah. But then I would pray about it. And something inside me would say, stay. Stay where you are. You're asking me to help you. I'm going to show up. Now, I'm going to show up. Like I said earlier, I'm, I'm in court in and out <laughs> since 15. 2015, so when God says I'm going to turn up, don't expect it to be today. It might be for you today, but it wasn't for me. I think God still had to bring me on a journey. I still had to be humbled more. I still had to learn to listen more. I still had to learn to understand the promptings of God. And I didn't. I didn't. So in all of that, I would go maybe saying I had a pip. I got um, a voucher off the government to have a, a PIP, which is a personal insolvency guy. I got another 250 off the government to have a solicitor. And all of these guys were telling me to sell. and well-meaning friends. But there was that many judgment orders against the house. If I sold, I was left with nothing. So, you know, again, God, God, what do I do? What do I say? Help me, Lord. If I have to let go of this property this home. Let me let go. Give me the strength. Give me the wisdom. And one day, I think I shared with you before, I was actually sitting outside the house. I was going for a viewing because I thought, well, listen, God, you know, just in case I'm being stubborn, just in case I'll go and look at houses. And that's not listening to God. That's listening to your own head, making you doubt. You know, there's the discernment between because God has a different energy of leading you. When you hear, maybe you should do that out of fear, it's not God. (laughs) It's your ego. Um, so I was outside the house and just something, I can't explain it, but just something like a voice. It wasn't a voice. Why are you going in there? And I thought, well, I'm going in to look to see. And it was like, you're asking me to help. And you're looking at a plan B. That's so I didn't go in and look at the house. I rang them up and said, I'm not coming, I'm, you know, I can't make the appointment. And when I start going into court, miraculous things would happen. I'd have nothing but standing there saying I want to stay in my home because I have no money now. My children are rare, so the court doesn't see that I have dependent children. So I have nothing standing here. When I were younger, I used to say, my kids are still in school. I have nothing now. Just me. And sometimes the, the uh, registrar would ask the legal team for papers or um, reports, and they'd be confounded They'd have, another, they'd have a pile of side in front of them, but not what they needed. And I'd get another six months. And the next time I'd go, somebody would be late for court, and they wouldn't turn up, and I'd get another six months. And that's how my life has been. And if we've been crying to Brian. Like, <laughs> but it went... I was in three times every year. Da, da, da. So it was going... Boom. Ooh, boom. And there's the way I'm after been living my life. But God was in it all. And you've known me, a lot of you he's carried me, he kept me cheerful that's not to say I didn't have times of weeping and crying so I don't want to make it sound like it's all easy going okay, there are times when you cry there are times when you're overwhelmed and you have a little nervous panic attack but all the time when you pray and all the time when you call out for help help is always there, presence is always there, always there thank you Jesus thank you Father God always there when I'd shut up trying to tell God what to do do a Ross on it and so with all the confounding I would get another six months and then I shared with you before Christmas that was the final thing in November that was, you know, you can't explore any other avenue you're going and then something else confounded the legal team and I got to last Friday um the eighth of March, and the banks wanted me we came to, the bank sent me a letter over christmas saying we 're going to let you stay in your house, you can pay rent for five years, and then you go and i said no that 's not a proposal that 's an eviction order because it was you can stay for five years and then go, and I said no to that, and then I was praying about that Jesus you know so did I do the right thing there and then without me doing another thing they sent me another letter saying okay we're going to exclude that five year ban you can stay but we want you to we're going to adjourn this case and we're awarded, we're going to get cost to you now did you hear me say that I've been in three times a year for since 15 I was afraid of the legal cost it must be 100 grand or something more there's no way I can pay that and so again I gave that to God But in the past few weeks, and especially since the forward weekend, I have just felt God standing in with me, and I was no longer, what God, I was full front and center, the whole field. I kept getting that root story, you know, which is just gleaning bits from the edge, and that's what I've been doing for the past 10 years, and God was saying, no, I told you I'd turn up. I'm not just turning up. I'm giving you victory. I felt victorious. I felt this is it. I'm at the end of this. So last Friday when I was in, they had a barrister there. They had a solicitor there who spoke very eloquently. And then she said, would you like to say something? And I just told my story. I couldn't afford to pay. It was on just what the banks had been doing, bringing me for five years. The resolution could have been reached a lot earlier. So she didn't just adjourn the case. She struck it out which means I don't have to go to court anymore. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. And all the costs go to the bank. I don't owe a penny. I don't owe any money. So that is our God. That is our God. Sometimes he will wait, but only because he needs you. The work has to be done in you. It's not that he doesn't want to give you the best. He loves us all. But he gave me a public victory. Because like I said earlier, when my separation happened, I was saying why and all the wrong questions and all the wrong accusations. But I think when we wait on God, he honors our waiting. He honors our trust. If you're waiting on something, wait. The answer is coming. The victory is coming. Maybe not the way you want it. But God is going to give you a public public arena not that you believe, but there are others watching you because I had not a penny, not very eloquent. I couldn't afford, I was going in representing myself. I was bringing God in with me. And the Mab representative who was there was laughing at me. And last week he said, there must be something in your God. So maybe it was even to give testimony to him, you know. So don't get tired in the waiting. What Brian said about prayer, I had Mary and John praying for me, I had Brian and Anne praying for me, I had my nieces and nephews praying for me, I had my friends praying for me, I had my children praying for me. Get good people around you to pray with you and for you. Be in this church, praise God in the middle of it. In the middle of the struggle because he comes right in and he gave me victory, and he doesn't love me any more than he loves you. I'm not we're all his favourite. So keep going to seminars, get encouraged. I'm glad you're all going to cherish because that weekend we're going forward, I got a load of answers really deep down here in me and I've made some changes in my life since then. And I just know they're all for the, I just know I'm in the right direction now and I am learning, I am still learning how to be led by God. But the victory goes to God. The victory all the time goes to God. I can't stress enough how I had, have, Nothing. I still have a mortgage, mind you. <laughs> but if God brought me this far, I'm not fearful of that. I will own that house and I proclaim it in my name. 41 Wellington Park is mine in Jesus' name. I, I will get that. I will go forward.
0: I think we should all just go home now. Don't, <laughs> Don't be so quick say, okay, saying yeah. <laughs> um, that's just phenomenal phenomenal god is amazing amazing and and mary made it sound a lot easier than that that walk actually was that was a lot more heartbreaking yeah 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 so that was a heartbreaking walk but you walked it and you were faithful in it and god is faithful when when we hang in there long enough and wait he's faithful yeah amen so thank you and thank you for sharing it um before before i say anything else i just want to say as well um and bless you and and we're believing that that somehow or other that mortgage is going to get cleared for you yeah yeah i don't know whether you're going to win the lotto or what but it's going one way or the other yeah and um and that'll be sorted out and um and that has given us great courage i just want to say even in relation to our own situation here with the building and all the rest of it that god can walk stuff out like that anytime so we don't know how he's going to walk it out but we believe he is going to walk it out um, I just want to mention that Marion, it's is probably her last Sunday here, for a while anyway, she's heading back to Oz this week, um, so it's been great having our home, um, I know Australia is blessed because you're there, but we miss you because you're not here, So, um, but we forgive them for getting you, nearly, kind of, sort of, I'm not, I'm not sure, about 100% there anyway, but let's pray just for Marion for a second, and um, for a safe trip, and for Mick as well, who's going in for an operation, um, this week is it, and next week? 28 okay Father we thank you for Mary and, and your hand on her life and um, on all that she is and all that she represents and the love she has for you and for your people and I pray God that you would bless every step that she makes I pray that you would guide her path and even as she as she travels back Lord that the flights would all out for her and everything would just go smoothly that you would cover all the logistics I pray for Mick going in for his operation that you would heal him Fix his body up and heal him. And may he be whole. And may the two of them be happy, Lord God, moving forward in you. We thank you for your hand in her life and her family's life. And we pray your blessing over it. In Jesus' name. Amen. And we also pray you give her sense and get her to come home to Ireland with him. <laughs> Amen. And we know the lifestyle and the weather over there is bad, but the people are much nicer here, Mary. Amen, 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 amen. I'm going to do a 25-minute sermon in five minutes or less. So here's a real quick recap, because we are going through this Sermon on the Mount, and if I skip today, I'm going to be backed up to Easter. Um, But we have done, and I just thought, when and I was looking at this again this morning, I was thinking, Mary's testimony today is what we were talking about in week one of the Sermon on the Mount, which was about being blessed. Blessed are they who mourn who are meek all of the things that the world say are rubbish and yet you stand here today in that blessing but you were in that blessing all the time and that's what carried us through and that's what carries every single one of us through and the second week we were talking about being salt and light which is exactly what you're being again you're being light shining the light onto the gospel of what god can do and then last week which isn't you we were talking about murder adultery and divorce but maybe a little bit of it (laughs) there's a bit of it in there Except the mortar bit—you didn't kill anyone, yet, Anyway, as far as I know, anyway, <coughs> the murder bit doesn't count. And this week we're going to look at verses twenty-three to forty-eight. We do this kind of once a year. We pick a chunk of scripture, and we just walk through it for a number of weeks. Um, and and rather than pick a book like Galatians or Ephesians or something like that, and I actually thought we were going to do Colossians, but um, I really felt the Lord saying, "Let's look at the Sermon on the Mount, and let's look at just what Jesus said." These are his actual recorded words. So he spoke to people sitting on a hill in some place in Israel. I don't know where it was, but they were sitting on a hill, I presume in warmer weather than this. And he was chatting away to them for, for several chapters of this book. Um, and where we're at right now is still in chapter 5, and we're going to look at verse 33 to 48, and they will be up on the screen. And we're going to very quickly look at three topics. One is oats, one is eyes, and one is enemies. And the first one is about oats. So, Tony's going to throw them scriptures up there for me. It says, Again, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, Do not break your oath, but fulfill it to the, to the Lord, the vows that you have made. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven, for it's God's throne, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. You can with joy, but they didn't have that kind of joy in them days. But you can't by just saying it. And all you need to do is to say simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. That sounds a bit of a stretch. Anything beyond yes or no comes from the evil one. But what he was trying to get out here was just tell the truth. Don't be making up stuff. Don't be telling pokies for to save face, for to make you look good, to make you feel good. Oh, I don't want to hurt their feelings, so I didn't want to tell them the truth. And we all know that. Oh, I didn't want to look stupid, so I didn't tell them the truth. I didn't care really about their feelings. I cared about my feelings. Maybe I'm just talking about me here. Oats are big things. They're promises. And they are big things. And you just need to think about the last time someone broke a promise to you. How big that is. Telling lies on oath, we call it perjury. And it's a really serious offence. You can go to jail for it. Because we take that idea of people telling the truth really strongly. We expect, well, we probably don't really expect politicians to tell the truth, but we would like it if they did, wouldn't you? There is that kind of an expectation that they should, but then when they don't, we don't really get surprised, which is really sad. Do you know what's even sadder? When people who say they follow Jesus don't tell the truth because we should be the ones who do and and when i say we i'm saying we i'm in this it's not i'm standing up here pointing fingers at anybody i struggle with this just like everybody else i don't want to be in them sticky situations i don't want to be embarrassed i don't want to be caught out i don't want all of that stuff but i still find myself sometimes kind of i might tell an outright lie but i might fudge the truth a little bit here and there or i might leave a bit out Do you ever say something like this I swearing on a stack of Bibles? Across <laughs> cross me heart and hope to die? Yeah. That's a scary one. You shouldn't do that one. Like, that's, that's scary. <laughs> Especially when you're telling pokies. You really shouldn't be doing that one. Or I swear on me ma's grave. Or on me, on me child's life. I've heard people saying that too. I swear on me child's life. See, we, we come from the same place. Yeah, they say them kind of things. Okay. Why do we say stuff like that? Because people won't believe you and you want them to believe you. Why don't they don't believe you? Or why don't they believe you? Because at some stage, you must have told them something that wasn't the truth. Doesn't that make sense? If someone tells you the truth all the time, they don't have to say to you, I swear on a stack of Bibles, or I swear this, or I swear that, or, I swear They just go, look, I did that. I didn't do that. Here I am. And you go, okay. So when he's saying that anything beyond that comes from the evil one. I think what he's really saying is if you're in a state where you have to go beyond saying yes or no, then your life hasn't been following Jesus. So yeah, the evil one has its hand in there. And if that's been your life up to now, I want to tell you today that can change. Today that can change. You don't have to Carry that reputation for the rest of your life. Trust can be built. It's a slow process. Trust is a very fickle thing. It takes a long time to break it in two seconds. A long time to make it and two seconds to break it. It really does. But it is a really fickle thing. But it can be built. And even if it's smashed to ribbons, it can be rebuilt. But it is about us learning to just let our yes be yes and our no be no. And all that means is that if I say, I will be there, I'm there. If I say I will do this, I do it. And if I don't do it, I just own it. And go, sorry, I didn't get it done. I'm not the best at that. I'm just telling you that up front. When I don't get it done and Anne says you do that, I usually throw a hissy fit And say, you're picking on me. But the reality of it is that if we just become that... Do you know what else... My ma used to say a phrase, she used to say, lawyers need a good memory. Yes. When you tell the truth, you don't have to worry about your memory. Because when you tell a poker you need to remember what you told. Because, And genuinely, any time you do, you end up having to tell about five others to back that one up. Yeah. Isn't that true? Yeah. No, I was. I did say that. I did say that. And then they go, really? And then, But what about this? And then you have to make another one up to kind of back that and build this web, Oh, what a wicked web we weave when at first we begin to deceive. And the person who you need to say yes and no to most is yourself. Stop deceiving yourself. Stop believing the, the stuff that you're putting into your own head, which is not true. Challenge the stuff that's in your head. There's so many of us are living our stuff that's not real. As Christians, we are called to truth-telling, not oath-taking. I want to move on, and the next bit is from verse 38. You have heard that it was said, "An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth." But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, give them go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Jesus was talking to a group of people and he was talking to them about the way they were to live their life themselves. They lived in a nation that was governed by laws and rules. There were 600 and something rules that they had to keep. There was all kinds of stuff going on and there was rules used to justify hurting other people. But those rules that had come in when, it's, when he said, you have heard it was said, a knife for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, them rules were put in to actually keep people safe. Because if someone in those days, and it's not too far off now, if someone in those days had a knocked out your tooth, it wasn't unusual for that other person's whole family to be slaughtered. Like he wouldn't just stop going over there and having a fist up and knocking your man's tooth out. He would go in, kill him, his wife, his kids, and everybody belonging to him. The retaliation was way out of, Order for what was actually happening. And what those rules did was try to put, and you could only do the toot and the toot and the eye for the eye under the court system. So it wasn't even that if you knocked out my tooth I could go over and knock out your tooth. I had to go to the court system, which was the priesthood at the time, and tell them what had happened with witnesses. And then they would bring retribution. So just like we have a court system now that puts people in jail when they do something, they had a court system. It was just a different way of doing it. But it was a protection on the victims, but it was also a protection over the perpetrators. So it sounds kind of rough, oh, an eye for an eye and a a a tooth for a tooth and wherever else and a leg for a leg and wherever, wherever it went. But the reality of it was, it was a much safer place and a safer way to live. But Jesus called people to a higher order again. Jesus called people to grace. He called us to administer grace to other people. So if someone does something on you, to forgive them. If someone robs your bag, ask them, did they want something else? That's a big one, isn't it? Don't refuse the one who comes who needs your help. Don't refuse the one who asked to borrow from you if it's in your power to give them what they need. If you don't have it, you can't give it. But if you have it and you don't give it, what if it was the other way around? What if it was the other way around? What if you were the person here and Jesus was talking to the person who had the power over your life? How would you want him to be talking to them? I think this is how I would want him to be talking. I have made a mistake. I don't want justice. I want mercy. I have done something wrong. I'm not looking for justice. I'm looking for mercy and grace. When someone does something wrong on me, I'm looking for justice. And forgiveness is always a great topic until you have to try forgiving someone. And mercy is always a great idea when you're looking for it, but not when you have to give it. But I want to tell you that the Spirit of God will help you to forgive anybody you need to forgive. The Spirit of God will give you the grace to power out into other people if we try to live to where Jesus is calling to. But it is about us realizing that he is calling us to a higher place of love. And he's calling us to a place of generosity. And he's calling us to live what Martin Luther King is saying up there, to bring light into dark places. Because darkness can't drive out darkness. So someone does something on you and then you do something back on them, where does that lead? That leads to what we've been reading in the papers for the last four years. People getting shot. People getting taken out. That leads to the Limerick feud years ago that happened over a railway at a schoolyard gate and ended up with nearly 20 people dead. Because darkness does not drive out darkness. Only love light drive out darkness. And we're called to bring love and light into situations. If people hate you, you can't make them love you, but you don't have to hate them back. People don't like me, and there's loads of people who don't like me. I can't make them like me, but I can choose not to dislike them. I can choose not to hate them. I can choose to release grace towards them. I may never spend much time with them. Well, they won't want to spend any time with me anyway if they don't like me. And that's okay. That's their choice. But I don't have to allow how they feel to be the law under which I live. I can live under grace. And I can live in a life of generosity. And the last ones are about loving your enemy. You've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That you may be children of your father in heaven because he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good. And he sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. I love this. If you love those who love you, what reward would you get? And not even the tax collectors doing that. And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Love is the only force capable of transforming an enemy into a friend. Think about that for a minute. And it can transform an enemy into a friend. And with love, and if you, and as being part of the family of God, you will end up sitting with people, talking with people, spending time with people that you would never have spent time with if you hadn't met Jesus. You would never. I remember back when we only started hope. And there was people there. There was a group there, four lads. There was John, Ozzy, Martin, and Al. Okay? And our son-in-law and our daughter were in the church. And I remember, I don't know how many times, Paul telling me, he loved being with these guys. He had great crack with them. He really enjoyed their company, but they came from chalk and cheese. And he said, only for Jesus, I would have never met them. I would have never cro- I'd have crossed the road if I saw them coming. Because they were all mad looking anyway especially Martin, he had tattoos everywhere. (laughs) But like, he would have crossed the road. He would, only for Jesus. They would have been, without ever having become it, almost enemies. Because they came from different backgrounds, different places. Just like what he was talking about at that time. There was white people and black people. And that's what he was talking about. But love has overcome that. Love actually won out in the end. The most powerful force on this planet is love it's not hate because with enough love you will wash away hate but with enough hate you'll never wash out love never I love the Pharisees bit where they said like just be good to those who are good to you that's easy one to do it's easy to like people who you like and who like you back it's easy to be nice to people who are nice to you it's being nice to people who are not nice to you it's trying to still love people who want to stab you it's trying to still love people who will talk about you and bitch about you and gossip about you. I need to back off you. That's the bit that we're called to. To love my enemies is supernatural. And it's going to take amazing grace. It's going to take debt to self. Which is a hard one. It's going to take Courage it's going to take a lot more than I am as a man. It's going to take a walk of the Holy Spirit in my life. But it is possible. And it is happening. And it's not only happening in my life, I see it happening in other lives as well. To have that happen takes the love of God flowing through you. Sorry, I'm pointing up there, you point up here. My enemy may always hate me, but I can choose to love them even despite that. And when we say the word enemy, it can seem very extreme. It's like you're expecting somebody who wants to kill you or somebody who really wants to do you damage. But maybe it's just someone who lives on the opposite side of the fence. You could be a northsider. We don't, we don't hold that against you. It's not your fault. Okay? You, we could be southsiders and you could be thinking the other way around. You could be from the country. You'd never know could be anything an enemy isn't necessarily somewhere where we tag them and go they're coming in they're going to shoot me but it could be someone who doesn't doesn't travel in their circles who under the normal kind of the normal run of life you would avoid being around and you wouldn't have anything to do with them but God made the difference but God and he will continue to make that difference My enemy may always hate me, but I can choose to love them. It's my choice. It's my life. It's my freedom. And it's my God walking in me to make me like Jesus. To make me towards who I am supposed to be. Not who I was, not even who I am today, but to move me towards who I'm supposed to be. And I'll never be perfect. But Jesus can help me move in that way. And the last slide you have there, Tony, says, Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. And here's the reality we have a sign that says, No perfect people allowed in here. And we have that for a reason because I'm not perfect, and I wanted to be able to be here. And I know some of you think you're perfect. News flash. You (coughs) know I know we have counsellors ready for to take you on after the break (laughs) for to get you into reality and out delusion. But here's the here's the bit, right? Jesus is not saying be perfect because it's not possible. There must be he didn't tell us to do anything that he didn't give us the way to do. So somehow or other we, we can be perfect in his eyes. And we're washed in the blood and we're covered by Jesus. So when God the Father looks at us, he sees Jesus, so we're perfect in his eyes. But somehow or other, we can live a life that is more perfect than it has been. That is moving towards perfection. And perfection is love. And love personified is Jesus. And we are called to become more like Jesus every day. Mary spoke extremely eloquently of the journey from 2015 to today. It was a journey. But that journey has changed her heart and made her more like Jesus and increased her compassion and increased her ability to love and increased her ability to give and to serve. True? Yeah? Increased her joy in the midst of trials. But it was a journey. Jesus is calling us to be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect. Perfect. We can be more than we are today. We can be. As good as you are, you can be more. Because God has more for you. And he has more for the world around you. Because that world around you needs you. We spent a day yesterday up in the village at the Alpha Day. The Alpha Weekend. And we spent the whole day looking at what the Holy Spirit is and who the Holy Spirit is and what he does and how we can be filled with them. And the whole purpose of that whole day and teaching about the Alpha was so people could have an experience with the Holy Spirit and go out different so that they could make a difference in their world. Not just so that they go and be different just for the sake of being different. God empowers us to go out and reach a world all around us that is dying. There are people out there caught in traps of poverty, addiction, pain, hurt, misery, chains, wrapped up around our hearts and their minds and they're living in misery and we have the key to the freedom and that key is Jesus Christ and it's not a popular key and it will be rejected by loads but I want to tell you I've walked in, in most of those fields and I've seen all of the stuff that the world can give and try and help And none of it works in the long term. Some of it helps, some of it works. But none of it works in the long term. Because people are not free. And we were made to be free. We were made to live a life of adventure. We were made to live a life that makes a difference. Not just survive. Not to be in recovery for the rest of my life. I was made to be free. I was made to make a difference. We were created to be the image of the living God on this planet and to be his hands and feet. And you were created to be his hands and feet. So let's be it. Let's stop making stupid promises and just tell the truth. Let's stop looking for retribution and forgive and live a life of grace. And let's follow jesus christ because i want to tell you it's the only way long term it is the only way and it will change your life and it will change your family and it will change your world and someday we're all going to get to sit in heaven at a party and i won't be sitting on a cloud i'll be sitting at a table with a decent party in front of me and none of that food will be fattening and I'm going to enjoy every cream slice they have. The scripture promises us we're going to a wedding feast of the Lamb. It doesn't say a wedding party. It says a wedding feast. A feast is something that is awesome. And a wedding is usually a happy day. But we're going to get to bring people with us. How many will you bring? How many will you bring? Amen. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you for today. I want to thank you for that amazing story from Mary of you moving in her life, of you moving in all of our lives. God, I pray right now that people who are sitting in this room, if they don't know where they're at with you, if they don't even know if they believe in you, I pray somehow or other that you would just drop something into their heart and their mind and let them know that you are real and you care about them that you know their name and you believe in them even if they don't believe in you. And Lord, if there's people in this room who know you but who are struggling for where they're at right now with you or where they're at in their life, I pray for the power of your Holy Spirit that you would bring clarity, that you would bring guidance, that you would bring strength and courage and endurance if it's needed. Spirit of God. Spirit of God. take a few seconds just sit with Jesus just sit and let him wash over your heart and wash over your mind let him just love you you can spend the rest of your life Doubting your beliefs and believing your doubts. Or you can spend the rest of your life believing that there is a God in heaven who created you on purpose and with purpose and for purpose. Who created you to have a life of abundance, of freedom, of grace and of love. And you can live in a freedom that you've never even imagined. So I'm just going to wait for 30 seconds and just leave you to sit with God. And you decide whether you want to speak to him or not. Or whether you want to sit and listen and see if he speaks to you. And just take this time. I pray a blessing over your people. I pray that you would make your face to shine upon them. I pray that they would enter into living an adventure with you. The rightest moments, wherever we are at in our relationship with you, whether we're seeking, whether we're denying, whether we're searching, whether we're walking with you, whether we're struggling with you. I pray right now that we would enter into a new place with you. I pray right now that we would go deeper. That we would surrender to you. That we would stop with the why questions and all of the stuff that just pushes us away. And we would just accept your love. And accept your grace. I pray, Lord, that you would release healing into this congregation. There are many people we know and love that are sick, God. And I pray you would release healing. You are the great physician. Heal your children, Lord. Lord, as we leave this place, I ask that your presence would go with us. That we would know you as we wake up and as we go to sleep, that we would know you hold us in the palm of your hands. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. You are amazing. You are amazing. I'll oh, let a sense of your presence just sitting hearts. May the peace of God guard your hearts and your minds as you walk with him. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Have a great week.